Matthew chapter 25. Jesus said to the disciples, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not give me clothing, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. <clears throat> Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Mark Twain once wrote, It ain't those parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts I do understand. I assume he had just finished reading this passage from Matthew when he sat down to write that. There are parts of the Bible, plenty of them, that are hard to understand. Parables whose meaning slips away from us like soap in the bathtub. Old laws that hardly make any sense to us in the 21st century. Genealogies full of names we can barely pronounce. But this story, this parable from Matthew, is not hard to understand. Quite the contrary. It's maybe the most straightforward, obvious story Jesus ever tells. And so if we don't like it, or if it bothers us, we can't blame Jesus for making it hard to comprehend. This one isn't hard to get. It's just very very hard to do. And it's been hard to do for a very, very long time. Even the Old Testament lesson that we just heard a moment ago from Ezekiel tells us basically the same thing except featuring a cast of all sheep this time, no goats. God says, I will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep because you have pushed with flank and shoulder. You have butted at all the weak animals with your horns until you scatter them far and wide. I will save my flock 
and they shall no longer be ravaged. It's so hard to do that this kind of story goes beyond even Judaism and Christianity. There's an Islamic teaching which says almost exactly the same thing as what Jesus said, except instead of a king this time, it's just God, Allah, who does the judging. O son of Adam, says Allah, I asked you for food, but you did not feed me. He will say, my Lord, how can I feed you when you are Lord of the worlds? And Allah will say, did you not know that a servant of mine asked you for food, but you did not feed him? And had you fed him, you would have found me with him. Perhaps it's so hard to do, so universally hard to do this, because we human beings have largely structured the world to work in the opposite way from this parable. Power is at the top. And if we are lucky, some of it trickles down to the rest of us. But it generally doesn't of its own accord, so we spend a lot of time pushing and shoving and butting each other with our horns, trying to get enough of it for ourselves. Which takes up so much time and energy, frankly, that there's hardly anything, anything left for us to worry about someone else. And then even when we want to, even when we look around and realize how brutal and unfair and cruel these systems are that we have set up, they're also so big and overwhelming and ever-present that we often lose hope that we can change them at all. And so this parable begins by forcing us to tell that truth. After all, we are told nothing particularly bad about the goats. Not that they meant to be cruel or thoughtless or intentionally mean. The king never says that the goats meant to do any of that. That they purposefully ignored the presence of the king when they turned away from those who were sick or tired or prisoned, imprisoned. The goats were not trying just to get ahead carelessly stepping on anyone they could to get their way. They just went along with the way things were. That's all. Buried in their objection to being judged for this is the implication that if they had known, if they'd had all the information, if they'd known that that was the king, of course they would have done something about it. They're not monsters. Who wouldn't? but it's too late. We all know this is true of us. We can make excuses, and some of them will be very good. And we can also probably name times when we have been the ones at the bottom, getting pushed and shoved and butted at with other people's horns as they try to get to the top. But in all honesty, we have done plenty of pushing and shoving ourselves. By and large, the world tells us that we will feel bigger, more powerful, and better about ourselves if and when we can get someone else to feel smaller, less powerful, and generally beneath us. And try as we can, we can't avoid that mindset all the time. Wherever the gospel, the good news is in this parable, and it's, it's pretty well hidden, it begins with telling that truth. 
admitting that we are all goats, at least sometimes. We have all walked past the God of the universe, the ruler of the worlds, sitting on a street corner, asking for loose change, walking in a protest march, riding the bus, sitting in a cell. Maybe we didn't know what to do. Or, to be as truthful as the story is, maybe we were not looking. We didn't mean to. It wasn't on purpose. But we've all done it. The story doesn't bother us because we can't understand it, but because we can. And yet that's where the gospel starts. By breaking us open in a way that allows for new life to be born. The gospel does not always make us feel good, and sometimes quite the opposite. After all, the gospel is about being born again, and being born is hard work. It was hard work the first time, anyway. So today we've celebrated with Maley and Bennett, and at 11 o'clock we have one more baptism for John. Each of the three of them is brought here today in love by their families and their friends. Each of them has or will be splashed with this ordinary water, which just came out of the tap in the back. That's it. And yet we also believe that in that ordinary water somehow is the very presence of the God of the universe, the ruler of the worlds. That when we pour that water, when we feel it cold on our skin, when we make a mark on our heads with it and it drips down our nose, that somehow we are touching feeling, smelling, even tasting the love and mercy of God. Bennett and Maley and then John will be marked with the Holy Spirit, marked with the cross of Christ, sealed with the Holy Spirit, as are all of you, anyone who is baptized anywhere, any place, any time. And then you might have heard we, we gave them a job to do. We invited their families and sponsors to remember that this baptism has a purpose so that, so that they may learn to trust God, proclaim Christ through their word and their deeds, care for others in the world God made, and work for justice and peace. That's kind of a big job description when you're not even three years old, so we ask their parents and their sponsors to help them with that. And then we ask all of you, representing the whole wide church on earth to be a part of this work together. And what we're saying when we say yes to that, when we say yes to them, to Maley and Bennett, and when we say yes to each other and our own baptisms, what we're saying is that we agree to work in a way that's radically different than how much of the world works. We are claiming that these small things we do together, gathering for worship, singing and praying, listening and speaking together, reaching out a hand to share peace, taking a bit of bread and wine to nourish our hearts, we are claiming that these things change us from the inside out. We are claiming that things like giving children a Bible, providing them vacation Bible school and Sunday school and confirmation, eating the Lord's Supper together and celebrating baptisms, that all of this is meant to propel us out of here into the world to work for justice and peace. 
And we're saying that somehow these things we do together can change the world because they start with changing us one little bit at a time. Christ the King Sunday. Kings have power, and most of the kings we know have the kind of power that trickles down. And if you're lucky, you get a little bit of it. But that's not how Christ the King works. That's not how baptism works. Baptism is not trickle down. It's trickle up. This ordinary water becomes the presence of God. Ordinary people are given an extraordinary job to do. Little children become as much a part of this community as the elders among us who have been here all 50 years of this church's life. Nobody is more important and nobody is less important. What is more sheep-like than that? Because while today's parable is about what we do and how we treat each other, how we work for justice and peace, it starts not with what we do, but with how we see each other and the world, what we're looking for. Because you might have noticed that the sheep didn't realize that they were do- what they were doing either. They weren't looking for the king. They just loved their neighbors. That's it. And meanwhile, the goats assumed there wasn't anything worth seeing in those who were poor or sick or hungry or naked or imprisoned, so they never paid attention. But what happens when we do? What happens when we realize that the power that matters isn't at the top and never was? What happens when we stop worrying about what might trickle down to us and imagine instead how these baptismal waters might trickle up through us to someone who is thirsty? What happens when you look at things from the bottom up? Well, we're going to give it a try. I had the ushers are going to hand out to you a poem this morning. And uh, I did warn them in advance this time so they knew about it. At 8 o'clock, I sprung it on them like a little surprise. <laughs> I'm going to invite you to take one. You're welcome to take it home with you. If you take it home, maybe take home one per household so that we have enough left for, um, for the next service. But please take one, share it with someone next to you if you need to. And while it's being shared with you, I'm going to read the poem. And then... Well, you'll just have to wait. This poem is called Refugees by Brian Bilston. They have no need of our help. So do not tell me these haggard faces could belong to you or me, should life have dealt a different hand. We need to see them for who they really are, Chancers and scroungers, layabouts and loungers, with bombs up their sleeves, cutthroats and thieves. They are not welcome here. We should make them go back to where they came from. They cannot share our food, share our homes, share our countries. Instead, let us build a wall to keep them out. It is not okay to say these are people just like us place should only belong to those who are born there. 
Do not be so stupid to think that the world can be looked at another way. Now what happens if we read the poem from the bottom up? I'd like to invite you to join in reading it together. The world can be looked at another way. Do not be so stupid to think that a place should only belong to those who are born there. These are people just like us. It is not okay to say, build a wall to keep them out. Instead, let us share our countries, share our homes, share our food. They cannot go back to where they came from. We should make them welcome here. They are not cutthroats and thieves with bombs up their sleeves, layabouts and loungers, chancers and scroungers. We need to see them for who they really are. Should life have dealt a different hand, these haggard faces could belong to you or me. So do not tell me they have no need of our help. Now we sound like sheep. A beautiful sound, like water, like life, like gospel, changing the world from the bottom up. Truly, I tell you, the world can be looked at another way. Amen. Amen.